Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we talk about a very hot topic right now, Queensland land tax legislation reform, which sounds like the driest, most banal topic that we could possibly ever talk about. Who cares about that? Well, I should tell you that you should probably care about it. If you're a successful property investor or you aspire to be a successful property investor, and you will most likely going to be planning to buy in multiple states around Australia, and that would include Queensland um, because diversification is a great part of a portfolio strategy. However, the government in Queensland have introduced some new legislation, which has a massive impact on um, the potential land tax that you could pay in your portfolio. So in this episode, we unpack what that legislation is, how it actually impacts property investors. We dispel some of the myths around it. And we also talk about how you can navigate it successfully so that you don't end up burning through heaps of extra cash. So really great episode where we actually expose this situation for what it really is, cut through the noise, cut through the fear, and give you the facts on how you can continue to thrive in this current environment and and ongoingly as well. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into it and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me on today's show is our resident tax, property tax, and tax gen, tax in general expert, Jeremy Anazelli. <laughs> Mate, you're putting, you're definitely putting some big, big rocks and stones on my back to carry, Goose. <laughs> totally. All right. Let's, uh, okay, well, I, I, hopefully, uh, yeah, all good, all good. So, mate, um, awesome to see you again. Got to say, people, a lot of people have, um, you know, the last time you were on here, we were talking about SMSFs and all of that kind of stuff. and Really, a lot of great feedback from that. And um, another issue has come up uh, recently that that I thought would be great to kind of get your perspective on and get some insights from you. And it's recent changes to the Queensland land tax legislation or proposed changes. I actually kind of want to dig into that. Are they real? Yeah. Are they, you know, all of that kind of stuff? And a lot of um, a lot of our clients and property investors in general have sort of been freaking out about this. They're like, ah. Am I going to get double land tax? What's going on here? Is this legal? And I just wanted to kind of take some time, have a chat with you and kind of unpack like what are these changes and 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 how does it work and what's the real impact? So what's your perspective on this? Yeah, so I, it, I will say that it is now legislated. Uh, so it has come in into effect as of 1st of July 2022. Quite rushed in, uh, in essence. It was discussed initially first in October of last year got a little bit more heated in about January of this year. And a lot of professionals, including myself, said this is never going to fly, never going to happen. Um, but uh, it got snuck in. It got snuck in very late June, passed uh, state legislation houses and snuck in to be 1st of July. So essentially what um, Queensland State Government are doing is, you know, they've got a bit of a balance sheet issue, a bit of a cash flow problem. And uh, they obviously need to be revoted in. That's the Labor government that's currently taking care of the Queensland State um, seats. So they've said, well, what can we do to not impact our votes, but also fix our balance sheet and cash flow problem? Uh, and land tax is always the one thing that many state politicians will go to because it's an easy way to hit the back pockets of the people that really can afford it, mm. essentially. Well, that's what they say anyways. Um, so yeah, it's come in 1st of July, which means that there'll be a diminishing value calculation on our Queensland land tax threshold based upon what our thresholds are, what our property land holdings are across Australia. So in essence, what they're saying is that if you only own properties in Queensland, nothing changes, it's business as usual. 
Um, if you have a principal place of residence in your home state, let's say my home state is New South Wales, go the Blues, um, then my home is exempt, but my Queensland properties will still remain as is. Where it becomes a little bit tricky for many people is that this new land tax calculation based on land holdings around Australia is really there for people who own land or investment properties, investment land in all states around Australia, whether it's New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Darwin, Northern Territory, Tasmania and WA. Mm. So what essentially they're going to be doing is that they're going to look at your threshold in Queensland, which for an individual is 600k. They're going to be applying your total land holdings to that threshold, calculating a land tax as if all those properties were in Queensland, and then only pro ratering what you have in Queensland versus what you have in the total country. So you'll only ever be paying land tax under this new threshold and scheme based upon your land holdings in Queensland. So there's a lot of talk out there that people are saying, oh, it's a double tax, uh, but in this case, it isn't. Hang on a second. You, you just said that it's only going to be based on your land holding in Queensland, but at the same time, it's going to be prorated based on the rest of your portfolio. Correct. So, Correct. so can we just kind of dig into that and, and unpack that, right? Because because like pretty much everybody else, when I first heard about it, I thought it was a double land tax. So I was like, mm. I was like, hang on a second. They're gonna they're gonna make me pay land tax for on a property I've got in New South Wales as if it's in Queensland. And I'm gonna end up paying land tax in in New South Wales and land tax in Queensland. I was like, is this even legal? I'm still not convinced that it is really legal. I think it's I think it's <laughs> You know, the term daylight robbery in my mind has never been more true in this uh in this situation. Right? It so, is, yeah. No, no, I agree with you hundred percent. It's crazy, right? But how does that kind of proportional piece work, right? So let's say so let's say I've got a million dollars worth of land value in Queensland and a yep. million dollars worth of land value in let's just say New South Wales, right? Yeah. So they'll um they'll look at the total land value of that of Australian land, which is two mm-hmm. million dollars. Now I think it's important to tell people that it's only based on land values. It's not based on the property value. Mm. So you might have a property value of a million dollars, but the land component of that would probably only be four fifty. But for this argument's sake, we'll say a million dollars. Yeah. They'll be calculating the land tax at two million dollars. So they'll do their numbers. They'll say the land tax at two million dollars. They'll calculate the land tax threshold at two million dollars, right? Uh, so they'll look so they'll take the actual amount of two mil. Yeah, and they'll they'll see where that two million dollars sits with inside their threshold table. Got it. But for argument's sake, let's say the threshold is six hundred grand for an individual, which it is, and let's say the land tax on that two million dollars. Now, I've actually got an example I can give you. Maybe this would work, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with my example I've provided. Perfect. Great. Yeah, yeah. Go with my one. So, and and the and the Queensland state government have come up with a couple of examples how to calculate it. So I've really ripped it off their website. So. We'll use uh, Lena in the example. Now, Lena's directly from the website. So, lovely Lena. She owns um, a property in Queensland with a taxable value of 745000 mm-hmm. Now, in Queensland, our land tax threshold is 600 k So, she has exceeded that threshold by one hundred forty-five grand. So, there mm-hmm. would be some land tax. Now, because she's under a million dollars, she gets the one-off surcharge, which is 500 bucks, And then she has to pay one cent in every dollar above that 600 k threshold. So if you remember, lender 745, less than 600, she's got 145 exceeding threshold amount. So in that particular case, lender would pay $1,450 on the excess, $500 as the upfront surcharge, lender would pay $1,950. That would be her land tax under the old scheme, very normal circumstances. Now, um, as part of 1 July 22 changes, which will be assessed at 30 June 23, 
will take Lena's total Australian land holdings. Now, Lena has about $1.565 million worth of land in Victoria now. So Lena's done really well. She's got lots of property in Victoria and the land value is about 1.565. So if you remember, initially I said she had 745 in Queensland. She's got another 1.565 in Victoria, taking her total land holdings to 2.3 mil. Mm. Now, the way that the Queensland state government will do the calculation is they'll say, well, we're going to look at her $2.31 million as if it was all owned in Queensland. Now, if she had $2.31 million worth of land all owned in Queensland, mm. her land tax amount would be $26,115. That's what she would have to pay. Now, I've got many clients who are paying lots of land tax in Queensland because they've exceeded their thresholds. Now, on that 26115 if they were to charge that, that's a double, that's a double land tax. Mm. So I said at the very start, I said that Queensland aren't, it's not a double taxation. It's a proratament to actually see, well, what is the diminishing value of your land threshold? So under that scenario of the 26115 as if all the land was owned in Queensland, we now need to prorata it. So if we go back to the start, she had 745. Her total land holdings was 2.31. So the calculation is quite simple. We look at the Queensland land value, 745, divided by the total Australian land value of 2.31 mm. times by the $26,000 calculation, remember, as if it was all calculated in Queensland. That means that Lena would pay on her $745,000 land in Queensland about $8,500 now. So where the nastiness is, is under the old scheme, she was paying only two grand yeah. and now she's paying about eight and a half. Okay. So if 30% of your portfolio is in uh, Queensland, 60, 40% of your portfolio is in Queensland, 60% of your portfolio is outside of Queensland, right? Mm -hmm. You would then slice it. You'd work out the total, the total value of all of the land in your yep. portfolio. That would determine where you sit in the threshold and subsequently what the surcharge amounts are going to be and what the tax amount is going to be. Correct. And then if only 40% of your land was actually in Queensland, you would then take the total of what that would be, Yep. divide it by 40% effectively, right? Yep. And Comes pay 40. 40. That's yeah, it. And get the 40% piece. That is still a lot though. That is still four times what uh, what Leonard was going to pay. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. And that's- and But look, at least it's not, you know, 12, 12 times. Yeah. Like 12 a lot of times. people got scared because they thought, oh, now I'm having to pay 26 grand of land tax. But people also forgot that- the Queensland state government was purely only going to prorata it based on the Queensland land holdings. Mm. If they didn't, yes, that's a double taxation. That's wrong. That's criminal. Now, in fact, I still think it is criminal what they're doing, no doubt about it, um, but very similar to the way payroll tax works for Australian companies when they employ people all over the country. So they've adopted that model mm -hmm. um, and it is self-assessed because at the moment, I don't believe under legislation that the Queensland state government can go to all the other authorities and, and get in, uh, people's independent information. So yeah, we'll but, see how far they go to with that. Yeah, totally. But like your income tax is self-assessed as well, right? Pretty much in, in, a, income, in a... Correct. But the, the, the thing is they're, they're wanting people to do their own uh, assessment on this in the sense that you'll be doing the application, you'll be telling the Queensland state government of what you own and what the land values are. Now, the question is, is that I asked and I spoke to OSR in Queensland, I said, well, how are you going to... How are you going to monitor this? How are you going to police it? You know, because it's not very good feeling to go and hand you guys extra money. I know I don't want to do it. So what are the repercussions? And they said, well, Jeremy, look, it's very profitable for us. 
So if people don't go ahead and do the um, the application form, which mind you is the needs to be done before 31st of October 2022 or within 30 days of uh, receiving your land tax notice of assessment, we'll catch you um, and we'll do it via manual. There'll be a big database and we'll be going through it. Or when you sell the property, they're working on like a land tax assessment clearing certificate. So that will either be done by, you know, the professionals such as a solicitor or accountant to provide a letter saying this is what the client owns. So are, they gonna, talk, are they talking about having any kind of penalty though? Like because like Yes, there will be penalties. There will okay. be penalties. There will be interest involved. And that's why they said this will become very profitable for us if people don't go ahead and do it on their own accord. Right. So like right now, for people who don't pay land tax, let's say they never registered with the OSR New South Wales, for instance, that's where I've seen it quite a bit. Uh, OSR will pick you up. It takes you three, four or five years sometimes, but they do pick you up. They send you this lump sum bill of 30, 40 grand. Oh, and there's penalties and there's interest. And if you want the penalties and interest remitted, that's fine. You've got to pay it up front. Uh, but if you don't, you can go into a payment plan and the penalties and interest still still apply. What kind of interest so, rate are they charging? Oh, mate, I, I would probably dare say a lot more than what the banks are charging. <laughs> as, as, as they say to me, they're not in the interest of providing loans to people. So I can yeah. dare say that they'll, they'll charge their premium on top. Uh, now, a couple of ways, obviously, for us to review it and understand, well, how do we work around it? We've come up with a number of ways and it, it comes back to their legislation. So there are some excluded lands, of course. So like many other states, your principal place of residence is excluded from this calculation, which yep. is great. Um, primary production land, so land that is held for the use of business on agriculture, that's excluded. Retirement villages, aged cares, charitable institutions, movable dwellings such as a caravan park. Um, and supported accommodation. So that would include potentially some boarding houses as well. So caravan parks are excluded. Yeah, caravan parks would be um, would, would be movable dwelling parks. So that's like a caravan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, the kind of the classic like trailer park type. Type of things, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and as I said, retirement villages and charitable aged, the big one's primary production and the supported yep. accommodation. That's your like low-income housing scheme, boarding house style of investments. So there yeah, are a couple of lands that are excluded from it. But what we've done as accountants is we've really spoken to them and nailed it down. And we said, well, how about if they own the property in their wife's name or they own their property in a trust? Mm. They're only looking on a per entity basis. So if you've gone ahead and bought all your properties 50-50, mm. that won't help. But if you've got properties in your name, properties in your wife's name or husband's name or properties in a trust, they're only looking on an entity basis threshold. So a lot let's, of people where, sorry. Let's, let's dig into that. That is, yeah. that sounds like a, that's awesome. So yeah. Do, yeah, let's talk about the trust piece. So like, are you talking about in, in, buying individual, just like to kind of uh, take it to this kind of an extreme level to, to pay the picture. Are you talking about individual trusts for each property you purchase in Queensland, or would you talk about, for example, and obviously I'm not giving any advice and all of that uh, normal kind of stuff like putting all of your Queensland properties in one entity, but then all of your New South Wales properties in another. Like, what do you yes. think? Is, what's the thinking yes. there? Tell, tell, let's so, talk about that. So that's a great, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. So they have got some clone trust ruling that they're going through at the moment. Now, clone trust ruling is they're trying to stop people just establishing a new trust for every property and avoiding land tax, no doubt about it. But again, if you've already exceeded the threshold in your own names, either husband and wife together 50-50 or in your own name separately, then yes, having a trust, say, for instance, in Queensland would create a new threshold of 350k, buying in that. And that way, that means you would only ever be paying a true amount of land tax on your Queensland-based properties. And you would not want to put any other properties in that Queensland trust, such as properties in WA or properties in New South Wales or Victoria, because that would only 
increase your threshold increment, which would therefore increase the amount of land tax one would pay. So there's a lot of planning now as accountants that we need to consider, well, where someone wasn't ready for a trust just yet, they may be now, number one. And number two, we may isolate that trust depending on what the clone trust rules come out to say. We might isolate that trust to only owning Queensland properties and not put any South Australian WA, New South Wales, Victorian, Tasmanian, Northern Territory or Canberrian properties. And the reason for that is we don't want to, as I said, increment ourselves into a new threshold where a new calculation and percentage is paid. Oh, that sounds like a pretty easy way around it then. Yeah, really. It and, and, and now it's just planning. Now it's just making sure that, again, you're working very closely with, say, your accountant or solicitor and giving them an outline of goals. And, you know, you, as people work with you guys at Dashdot, making sure that they're getting the amount of properties they want to buy based on their portfolio goals and objectives. My role is to say, well, go out and buy it and I'll make sure that we quarantine it so all the regulatory authorities aren't getting too much more money than what they're supposed to. Yeah, totally. Okay, that's cool. That's kind of like taking a lot of the fear out of it, really, right? Because a lot of people, number one, just thought it was going to be a blanket, um, you know, double land tax and they're going to be stuck with it. But if there's, obviously, it's not a double land tax, it's proportionate. And in fact, if you think about your portfolio strategically, which everyone should be doing, as opposed to just randomly buying properties ad hoc with no clear plan um, around future planning and structuring and what does that look like? If you, if you, if you do do all of that kind of stuff and plan your portfolio, then it sounds like you can kind of. There's obviously some some other significant advantages in um in in some kind of trust structuring stuff as well when it comes to finance. So it could actually work out to be a, a good thing. Yeah, and look, there there is always a silver lining. Um, mm. There's definitely always a silver lining. So some people, as you know, they may not have wanted to jump into a trust soon because they didn't really feel that the cost versus benefit analysis was there, but. In the long term, I've always seen costs far outweigh what an individual ownership would be. It's just it's just compensating and understanding and the comparable around the cost and what that cost brings in the future mm. benefit. But yeah, no, there's lots of benefits towards it. And uh, this is a way now that we can help mitigate uh, this particular legislation that's come in. And obviously how we move forward with that may, may assist the client moving forward with future goals because a lot of people you know will use trust for one reason where it's asset protection or potentially tax minimization but used in the right way especially with the right broker and the right bank if you can get that trust into a positive position as quick as you can mm. there are some banks out there that will say well it's been able to meet its own commitments without further capital required from the beneficiaries and or the trustees and that would essentially disregard that debt for future borrowing capacity Bingo. so there are lots of positives and and I always tell people, you know, I've been able to build my portfolio where it is today on the basis of having lots of positive geared properties in entities, able to meet their own commitments without any further capital injected by myself. And that way it gives me an opportunity to continue to grow and borrow because they're not taking some banks and not taking that debt obligation or that debt mm. that I've got uh, into consideration for future borrowing capacity. Yeah, awesome. It's kind of like the secret hack to infinite finance. You know, you just got to like really got to understand how to play. Maybe not infinite's probably got a little far, but you know, it's a but it's definitely a, a good opportunity. What let's talk about the impact on the Queensland real estate market because like some people will be will have the opportunity, the insights, and all that kind of stuff to set up trusts and do all of this kind of stuff, and might be able to avoid any maybe not any impact from these new um this new legislation, but might be a lot of impact, but some people won't, right? Do, do you think that this is going to have an impact on the Queensland property market? Do you think this is going to, how do you think this is going to change the dynamic? Because when you do have something that comes into place, which is going to increase nominal costs on a, on a property or a property portfolio by 
maybe four times, like in terms yeah. of land tax. What do you think? Do you think it's going to have any? Because some of the concern or the fear is that property investors will stop buying in Queensland and the whole market's going to go to shit, which quite frankly, I don't believe. But what's your take on it? Yeah, it's the fear of the unknown for many people. So I think as they start to educate themselves more on what it actually means, they'll, most people will find out that it's not that bad. Now, for mm. some people, it, like Lena, unfortunately, there is a $6,000, $6,500 difference for her, uh, but she's got $2.31 million worth of land value and probably $5, $6 million worth of capital value. So mm. if you take that $6,500 based upon her total value of property, it's very small. Yeah. So it's not nothing to really panic about. Yes, it's unfortunate. Yes, it's cruel. Uh, yes, I think it's highway robbery, to use your words, which I agree mm. with. Um, but I don't believe it's going to have the impact that many people think. If anything, what you'll find is a lot of this additional cost will be passed on through the rent. Mm. And why do I know this? Because they tried to get rid of negative gearing in the late 80s, and all it did was push up rents even higher to a point where they said, well, we've got to bring these rents down. It's only increasing to inflation pressures. Um, so they'll tend to take a step back. I don't think the state government will do that as quick. Uh, I still believe that they've got a hole to, to, to plug and they don't want to lose votes. So this is an opportunity yeah. for them to do it. But I truly believe this will be passed through rents because mm. if everyone's cost incrementally goes up, it will be passed on and the tenants, unfortunately, will be the ones left paying the bill. So I don't think you'll find many people will struggle. Um, and if your portfolio struggles on additional additional two thousand dollars worth of costs. I think you've got to really have a look at your portfolio and see what's happening. Yeah, look, it's not to discount the impact that two thousand dollars of additional costs can have on a family, uh, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's you know, it's not insignificant. It's still money that people need to find, and you know, the cost of living's going up and all of that kind of stuff. And what can sometimes happen in these conversations is is that people like you and I can get a little blase and be like, look, ah, it's only two grand and whatever. But for some people, mm. that's some people that's a major thing and that's not, I'm not trying to like, you know, paint a picture of, of kind of like, you know, woe is them or whatever. But I remember like only a few years ago when I had nothing like, and was like literally living in my office, two grand, somebody said, you're going to have an extra two grand a year in cost. I would have been, I would have been mortified. Right. And so it mm-hmm. can, it can, it can make a big difference depending on where you're at in your journey and also what your other expenses are and all that kind of stuff. But, right. And not to discount that reality for some people, right which hopefully by building a strategic portfolio, you can actually start to get out of that um, cycle and you can start to you know, bring in what you need. But also it's about perspective, I think, perspective on what those numbers really mean. Because you know, the way that I see it, let's say you do end up with a few extra thousand dollars of cost in your portfolio, not discounting the impact that that can have on cash and what that means on a, for an individual that can have a significant impact. But also if your property, let's say, or if your portfolio in this case, because it sounds like Lena in this example has probably got a few properties to have that much land value in Queensland, whatever mm. it is, your portfolio might be making you in terms of a combined amount of growth and total return and all of this other kind of stuff, 30, 40, 50 grand a year, right? And so you might have nominal increase of cost of say four grand or whatever the case may be, but also yep. look at the big picture, right? And so you've got to look at what the actual total return basis is that you're getting and all that kind of stuff. Because otherwise I think people can... I guess focus on focus on the wrong things and make decisions based off the wrong levers in their portfolio. Yeah, and look, it's a cost. It will be a cost of doing business, like anything. Like tax is a cost of doing business. You want positive yeah. income. Um, you know, there is tax that definitely comes with it. Mm. Structured the right way, we can reduce it. But nevertheless, we can't have a hundred thousand dollars income and the tax always being zero every year. There mm. will be a point in time where there is tax. It's just a cost of generally doing business. So I think the big thing for many people to understand is, yes, we all know it's it's crap, it's highway robbery, 
but you know it it shouldn't be the be all and end all of the portfolio uh, as mm. you know i look through a lot of where incomes are versus property valuations and property median prices and queensland still without a doubt is below that standard bank's assessment of six times your income so they mm. call it debt to income ratio and most of the states like new south wales and victoria are well over that six times mm. um but say queensland for instance is a state where it's under six mm. times debt to income so there's still a lot of fat there in Queensland. So for anyone that thinks that Queensland's gonna gonna bust and the bubble's gonna burst on the basis of this land tax, I would dare say probably don't be praying and wishing that to happen. Yeah, uh, I think you'll find that there will be some rent increases to help compensate this difference. As I said, it will affect some people, but not all people. If all you've got is property in Queensland, it's business as usual. Mm. Uh, if you've only got a small amount of property outside of Queensland, it should only impact you very slightly. Uh, but for people holding larger portfolios with this not being grandfathered, yeah, you will see a difference in the land tax that you will pay. But it, I suppose it gives you an opportunity to pivot and look in a different direction where you can support that additional cost with some properties in the future from a better performing cash flow perspective yeah, and also some properties in the future in a better structure so that you're not adding to the problem. Yeah, and totally. I think that's the main thing. And that's a really interesting point that you just made. And this is something that um, we're looking at with our clients right now because, you know, the, the macro environment has changed right now. Interest rates have gone up. That that affects nominal cash flows. And, you know, like there are these real impacts that we need to consider in the portfolio. And so strategically thinking about like, okay, what do I need to do to offset some of these costs? Like, I don't know, maybe specifically for the next property, purchase, a, purchase an asset which is going to produce enough net cash flow to be able to offset. That kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And so yep. thinking about from a portfolio perspective, what types of assets, so rather than going, oh my God, this doesn't make sense. I'm now negative by whatever five grand a year, help. Just go, okay, well, what would I need to do to make up that five grand a year? Could I buy a different asset, which is going to produce a different outcome, which will compensate that and kind of put me back on a, you know, right side the portfolio in a sense, right? So, and I think that that's a really um, good mindset for people to be kind of approaching any of this kind of stuff with. It's not like, Ah, help. It's more like, okay, well, what do I need to do to make this something that I don't care about anymore? Yeah. And I always encourage people to treat their portfolio like a business. You know, mm. if you've got a business that's got a lot of cost, well, one way we can do things is increase the income or we can decrease the costs. Uh, sometimes it's a bit hard to decrease the cost. So we've got to look at ways to increase the income. Mm. So I encourage everybody and always tell everyone treat your portfolio like a business. Um, the more that you can really assess the way things are, the more strategic you can be with your future decisions and you'll win from it. You know, if you really put the time and effort in, you'll win from it. And, you know, it, again, strategically buying the next property to compensate what you've bought or to prepare yourself for what you will buy, that's always obviously important as well. And I've done that within my own portfolio. I've bought some really good capital growth assets, which have done exceptionally well, but the cash flow is terrible. Mm. The way I've compensated that is I've went and bought three, say, cheaper properties, exorbitant cash flows to help manage that one mm. big whale that I've got, and all of a sudden I've balanced the books. Mm. So that's probably one thing I always recommend to people is find ways that you can balance the books. And in, in your words, you use the word pivot, mm. and that's so important. You've got to be able to pivot, and especially coming from your structure, your strategy, and then what's the next property to buy to get that pivot right. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, Jeremy, mate, I reckon we kind of nailed this. I think that's like we've really ripped back the curtain and, you know, shown the situation for what it is. And it's not as bad and as scary as everyone kind of thought. So I think let's maybe leave it there. It's been awesome. It's been a pleasure always, as always, Goose. 
Mate, great to have you again on the show. Look forward to next time and, and thanks again. See you soon. Love it, mate. Thank you.